All right, David. We gotta get back to the drugs a little bit. Um, I know we touched on it earlier, kind of with Marlo, Prop Joe. That was sorry. That was a hell of a sentence. Hello, everybody, and welcome into another edition of Talgo TV, the only podcast that played in the dirt and didn't get dirty. I'm David Arroyo, joined as always by my pal Tom Shively. Tom, we have finished season four of The Wire, a fantastic season. But before we talk about that, I need to know how you doing today. Uh, you know, Wednesday night we're making it through, so this is coming out on Thursday. Excited for uh, excited for what we have left, but season four definitely definitely a fun one. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll just, before I let you kind of take over and do the whole overarching what happened in these episodes, I just want to off the top say, I had said on the record, I thought season four had a lot to live up to, that everyone had told me season four is the best season and that that could have potentially, you know, put some blinders over how I actually felt about the season and tainted it where I had such high expectations and it, it came up short. I think for me, this season not only met those expectations, but exceeded those expectations. This was the first season so far where I, and this happened in other seasons, but I always had a way where like season three was the other season where I'd say, all right, I'm only going to watch one episode. And then I'd watch two. This season, every single time I said, I'm just going to watch one. I ended up watching every episode we needed to watch that week. So like I was hooked onto this season in a way that the other seasons hadn't done that for me. And I know why that is, but we'll get into it more later. I want to start, I mean, we, before we got on, we said we kind of differing opinions about the ending of season four. I know I, you obviously just laid out how good the season was. I, I think the season was great, but I don't know what it is about the ending. It left me like wanting a little bit more. I felt like there was going to be more closure just with the way like every other season has ended. I feel like there's a lot left unturned with Marlo. There's a lot left unturned with, you know, Prop Joe, whoever it may be, the Omar-Marlo conflict is kind of still heating up. I guess I thought more of that would be resolved in the fourth season, but it kind of feels like for the first time, some of these similar themes are going to be going into season five. And that that that's strange to me versus how we've ended the other seasons. So I... I... I would say I think what the show kind of put to rest here, and I'm not sure if this is fully true or not because we don't know if he's going to be in season five. Season four felt like the official closing of the book on anything Avon related because you didn't really see Avon this season. And now most of the people we care about on the Barksdale side are dead. And so I think I think that it felt like it was a closing of that chapter as opposed to a closing of the Marlowe chapter. I think that's going to be season season five. And you kind of see it there at the end. You know, they officially get the band back together. And season five is going to be much like season one, in my opinion, where you have one central figure you're going after and they need to pin all those bodies on them, which, again, we'll get into. Yeah, and I think I... Like I said, I thought there was going to be more closure. I, I think th- there's obviously a lot more still to explore with Marlo and and really Omar, too, because you see Omar get the better of him. Uh, you know, one of the best exchanges of, of this last set of episodes is when Marlo, or when Omar, you know, steals the supply and, you know, Prop Joe suddenly owes him money. Marlo suddenly owes him money. All the guys that Marlo is selling to, they're out of luck. Prop Joe's people are out of luck. So it's just Omar, you know, kind of on... Oh, a Sunday whim just can kind of go out and, and take all of Marlowe's stash and really mess up the entire operation and suddenly has to sell the drugs back and Joe has no choice but to buy it. So it's just, 
you're reminded how fragile it is and how easy it is for Omar to get in there and just break everything up. And it's, it's just so brilliant on his part. And he just, he plays all the right strings again. Well, I think the thing that was so smart by Mar- by Omar, right, was Omar had played Joe where he didn't like the way Joe had played him before in terms of the poker game and sending him in there, not really knowing Marlowe was going to be there and creating that beef for him. And so, you know, he went in there and was basically like, you're going to get me some some easy money here and give me a burner when you call it. I'm going to go pick it up and we're just going to go our separate ways. And he was smart enough to know that as soon as Joe called him, he knew that meant that the package had arrived and they should just take the entire package as opposed to just taking what Joe was going to give them. It was just a genius play there by Mar- by uh, Omar. And it just goes to show the thing we've said so many times in this series. Not only is he the most ruthless character, but he's probably the smartest too because he's the hardest to get both in terms of, you know, being able to find him and kill. Like, it's impossible to get Omar, it seems. Are you thinking Omar, like, rekindles it with the cops a little bit in season five? Like, that's... I feel like he kind of stays rogue. I think with his conversations with Bunk, he's kind of closed that chapter of his life. And to me, it seems like there's going to kind of be three big players. I don't know if... You know, the cops are obviously going to get back in on Marlo, but Omar going to play some sort of role here. I think Omar is obviously going to play a role, but the role is, I think, going to be what his role has always been. It's going to be dropping bodies on the drug side. And basically because that's who he's killing, the cops are going to continue not to care what Omar is doing. Because you've seen it every season since season one when Jimmy and them are like, like, are, are we even cops anymore when they let him in there and they're, you know talking to him knowing he is a literal murderer they kind of allow him to do that because they're essentially making their he's essentially making their jobs easier in a way because it's like well we don't have to continue to investigate this person on drugs because well now here's the proof he died because of some sort of gang war and whether it was omar or not we don't really care and so i think that's why at this point omar hasn't gone to prison and you you've seen the way him and McNulty interact where McNulty is like, listen, he's not, he's not doing citizens. So, you know, it's whatever. Speaking of like interactions with police and the gangsters, I I feel like they've been as generous as they've been in this season. I think you you get a lot of those reactions. Granted, it's it's because a lot of them are kids, you know, like Randy with, with Carver and, uh, you know, Naaman with Colvin. Granted, Colvin's not a cop anymore, but, you know, you see these relationships and it's kind of, it's, it feels like the cops think they're turning a corner a little bit with some of these guys out there. And then, like, Bodie's a perfect example. McNulty gets him out, and then he's gunned down on the corner, what, that night? And it's just like, oh, you can't take one misstep with this. Like, it's they're in this for life, and, and you can think you're doing them a favor trying to get them out. You even see with Bubbles a little bit, you know, he accidentally, uh, like, laces and, and kills the kid that is working with him, and he's basically like, locked me up. Like I killed the kid and, and you see the empathy and bubbles. He says, you know, I've been, I've been a drug guy my whole life. Like I, this is all I know. Like I, I thought I could instill something better in him, but really I've been this guy the whole time. And I think you kind of see bubbles trying to do it. You see the cops trying to do it and it ends up really never working out. Well, so a couple things there. One, when we first get that interaction where McNulty's eating lunch with Bodie and Bodie's kind of like looking around like, man, I hope no one sees me. I was having like the same 
reaction the entire time was god i hope nobody sees Bodie there with mcnulty and then eventually that all comes full circle in the season finale where you know mcnulty picks him up from the the jailhouse or whatever and Bodie gets gunned down because someone sees him do that and it's one of those things where i think Bodie thought his fate was inevitable whether or not he talked to mcnulty or not but he knew that like once he saw people i think he was able to put two and two together that actually that's not true though because his final words are like, I'm not giving up my corner. Yeah, he's ready so to fight almo- them off. It almost feels like he has no idea that they're trying to kill him because he snitched. He he just thinks that, you know, they're trying to run me off my corner and I'm not going to let them run run me off my corner. So that that is actually interesting now that I think about it, the way he goes out. Well, because I don't think, he doesn't notice. Like, he definitely doesn't know. Like, to our knowledge, nobody sees him at the restaurant. And then the way it's shot, he doesn't seem to notice the guy that's in the maintenance truck or whatever it is that sees him. So in his mind, he's still as hard as they come and still, you know, I, I haven't been doing anything with the cops. And so that, and he's had trouble back to season one, you know, he was in juvie with, with them basically the whole season. So you kind of, he's always been kind of a go-to guy for the cops. And you see Carver, especially that talks to him a lot. Well, I think Bodie, right, was, it was sad to see him go a little bit more than I had expected because he felt like one of those characters that was lost from the start where, you know, kind of like, I think that this is kind of why this season hit so hard for me was you see these kids and you see how some of these kids can end up down a dark path, kind of the way they, they go. And we'll, we'll get to some of those kids and where they end up, but you see how they can end up there and to see his story kind of end in that way, which was kind of an inevitable way back to when D'Angelo laid out for him, you know, you're you're a pawn. You're you could never be one of the guys because this is your spot and this is where you'll be the day you die. And for that to come full circle, you you knew it was going to happen eventually, but it was still sad to see it happen. Yeah, you know, Bodie, I I think represents a lot of what some of these kids could turn out to be if not for some of the school systems. And and the the two most interesting kids to me, we'll, we'll get to all of them, but but to me, it is it's Naaman and it's Michael and. They're kind of the yin and yang, if you think about it. They they they're very similar in a sense, but they they kind of Naaman you think is going to go one direction, Mike you think is going to go another direction, and they end up kind of switching. You know, Naaman comes from a hard house. Obviously, you know, Weebae is his dad. His mom it, it is always up his ass, for lack of a better term, about you know go out make money. You know what you doing? Like, be your father's man. Like, be this person. And Naaman feels a lot of pressure and feels out of it on the corner and, you know, kind of finds a home a little bit in, in the, uh, like the survey classroom, I don't know what you want to call it, but finds a home in like the, the experimental class, the program. Yeah, there you go. Finds a home in the program and you kind of see it work on Naaman to a certain extent, even though it fails in general, but you see him by the end, you know, Colvin's going in and asking Weebae, like, give your son a chance, man. Like, get him out of here. Like, do you want him to end like you? And... Weebae I didn't think was going to cave, but then he tells his wife at the end, like, it, no one wants to live like this when they have another option. And then Michael, on the other hand, comes from, you know, kind of his mom isn't present. You know, he she's always asking for things. He kind of does things on his own, looks over his brother, and you, you think is more set and mature. And then he ends up kind of getting hard and getting in with Chris and Snoop. And I just think they cross paths in a way that I didn't think they would at the beginning of the season. I thought it was really well done to kind of compare those two different paths for similar kids really, and kind of see which angles they go. 
Yeah, my, Michael's path was interesting, I would agree, just because early on it felt so much like him and Marlo were at odds morally, and then, I mean, Michael's the one who ends up shooting Bodie, so it, it's one of those things where it, Michael, once, once his mom's essentially out of the picture, and then once his brother's dad it seems first of all the implication there with chris and you know when chris kills his his that father figure or whatever i don't know what to call him because i actually don't remember his name like his stepdad maybe it's his brother's dad i don't know what i don't know what his relation is but the implication there between chris and michael is that his stepdad or whatever sexually abused him as a child and that implication and and Clearly, there's some trauma there with Chris and something similar happening to him just based on the reaction he has. And so I, I found that whole subplot to be super interesting. But just to hit on Michael again real quick, he – I think he, with without a proper support system, feels like this is the only way for him to provide a life for his brother that no one else could provide. And so we had talked about it before, but now at 14, 15 years old, he feels like – I am the only, I'm the man of the house. I need to provide. And this is the only way I can provide uh, for my younger brother. And, you know, he, he could go down a similar path, his brother that is, to like maybe a Naaman where, you know, his younger brother doesn't, you know, is separated from everything because his brother is the one doing everything. He's able to set him up to have a better life. And I, I think that could be super interesting. And I, I think Naaman's a good example of, you know, what happens when the system cares about someone. Yeah, and I, and I think it's, as much as the system cares about Naaman, I feel like, and and there are parts where Prez especially does it to this kid, but Daquan feels like he has all the potential in the world and the system fails him a little bit. And I think, you know, they try to force him into high school too early. He's getting evicted, you know, practically every day or in the house burned down, whatever it may be. It just seems like he never has a place to live. So much like Michael and his little brother, like Daquan has no other choice but to go live with Michael. And you kind of see he, you know, never had a lot to begin with and, and clearly was one of the smartest kids in the class. He just feel to me, he feels like, oh, this is another kid that we lose in the system because we don't invest in it. And I think that's kind of my takeaway from 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 his perspective and his storyline. What was his name? Uh, Daquan. Daquan, right? Daquan, yeah. So, so Daquan, right, he... Yeah, because like he has nowhere left to turn, essentially. They force him into ninth grade, even though he's basically not ready because he needs to find another way to be able to live the way he was living now that Prez was there. Because Prez was able to keep him clean, keep him fed, and do, he was basically his only source of of safety, of, essentially. And so once he's forced into ninth grade where he's not comfortable... He ends up out on the corner working for Michael because he's basically like, well, I need money and I'm, I'm tired of living this life where, you know, kids make fun of me because I smell or I don't have new clothes or, you know, all those different things that he's having to deal with, you know, having to deal with not knowing where he's going to live day to day because he's being evicted so often, like you mentioned. I think, yeah, the, the system fails him because they put him not only in a home that is unsafe, there's no one there to like take him out of that environment. But they're like, why is this school system set up and, you know, our society as a whole where like you're a kid in school and there's no guarantee you're going to get to eat that day? Like if they're forced to go to school, feed them. I don't, I don't understand why this is such a hard concept to understand. They feed them in prison every day. You can't feed kids in school like that. It's not that hard to understand to me. And 
somehow the show hits the nail on the head for something that is still a problem. Yeah, definitely another kid failed. Randy, and really the one we haven't talked about yet, also failed by the system to a certain extent, but you Mo- see... Failed by the system on multiple levels. Multiple right, levels. because everyone that knows him wants to protect him, and you see it. You see the emotion with Carver when he, you know, he can't take him in. He's got to send him to the foster home, and, you know, life is miserable for Randy there because naturally his reputation gets out, and Randy you know, doesn't think he's a snitch and, and is going to fight that. And, and it's kind of living with him and it's the stigma. It's going to follow him as long as he's in that life. So it's a sense that he kind of wants to get out of that life. And it, it the option just isn't there for him. And you've got a kid that wants to get out and, and you can't make it happen. It just feels like there has to be something there. Yeah, but between between his foster upbringing and then like Herc's complete and utter failure to care about anybody but himself and that ends up you know getting him in the end thankfully because Herc had just become so deeply unlikable I didn't really I didn't really want to see him on the show anymore yeah so like like he's really made no strides since like there was a point I remember in season one where he seemed like he was super into it and started to care and then ever since then he's just been like a terrible person and so like the police fail Randy, the school system fails Randy, the foster system fails Randy, and now the kid is subject to a life of literally having to fight daily because of his reputation. Like, that is what he's going to have to do to be able to survive, and any system that is set up in that way is clearly a flawed and broken system. I'm curious as to where we go next with the kids, because I think the school storylines kind of played out. I think you've got the guys that you followed in there. Naaman, you think, is maybe set. I think Michael will definitely play a role in season five. Randy Randy and Duquan feel like feel like they're kind of on the outside looking in at this point. Well, I think Duquan has to play a role in the next season because he's working for Michael. So you'll definitely see him again to me. I feel like there's a chance you see Naaman again just because of Dennis and his gym. And that seems like a you know the spot where he first kind of found somebody who actually cared about him. And so uh, that could be something that plays a role. I'm not totally sure. I'm curious what Naaman's reputation will be now that he's been taken in by a former police officer and, you know, how that potentially impacts him moving forward. But yeah, Michael's obviously going to play a huge role. Daquan's probably going to play a huge role. I think the real shame of it is, and I don't know if this is a message by the show, and we'll have to see if this comes true, but to me it could be a message by the show of if we just don't ever see Randy again, where it's one of those things where it's like much like the system, the show just forgets about him. And and that's it. That it you know, he's somebody who's lost to the ways of the Baltimore foster system. Yeah, you got a you got the prison or you got the gym run by the ex convict that cares more about these kids than than the system does, and it's just it's tough to watch. Like it's, it's hard to to see the system fail that much. And and you mentioned the show just does such a good job of, of letting you know like this this kind of hits at the root of these problems. Is these kids, you know, it's not that they don't want to succeed. It's not that they don't want a better life. It's just not there for them. Yeah, exactly. It, it it's they all want to do better, but no no one is there to help them actually do better except like prez like prez cared about those kids dennis cared about those kids um what's his name colvin cared about those kids in that maryland program they were doing uh, other than that it, you're hard pressed and you know what someone also give him credit 
McNulty clearly cares about the people in that community. And you see it by the way he, he, you know, when, when Bodie, well, what happens there with Bodie, but Bodie's basically not there one day. And, you know, McNulty comes up on him and he's like, and comes up on Pooh and is like, yo, tell Bodie, I need to see him, you know, blah, blah, blah. And Pooh's like, yo, unless you want me to, to get shot too, you're going to have to let me go, either arrest me or let me walk. And yeah, it's like I McNulty clearly cares, but all his good intentions end up in people dead. Yeah, he's trying to see if he's trying to see like what happened to Bodhi, and and that's what Pooh tells him is like talking to you, and so that it's it's tough for a guy mentally to go, I'm doing this guy a favor, and then he gets killed for it. So that's just that's just the way it's going on the corners. All right, David, we gotta get back to the drugs a little bit. Um, I know we touched on it earlier, kind of with Marlo, Prop Joe. That was sorry. That was a hell of a sentence. It just <laughs> let's get context. back to the. Is that there? You go. There's your top of the show. You're welcome. Yeah. Thank you. Um, we have a surprise guest. I think for both of us that comes in here, uh, a return from season two that we, neither one of us really expected to see. The Greek. The Greek is back here. We kind of see he's talking with Prop Joe and and Marlo. All right, you know, get your finger up. What's what's your what's your what's your addendum here? My only addendum is that's technically not the Greek. That is the Greek. The, the Greek's muscle. Fine. The Greek's secondhand man. I forget his name. Call it. The Greeks. The Greeks' right hand man. He's there. Correct. And and I think you kind of got a sense that he was in with Prop Joe, and and you see how much Marlo still it is third in that relationship a little bit because of you know you see the whole interaction where he's like, it's Joe's word. You know, I trust Joe, and Marlo's like. Do you trust him? It's like, yeah, it's just this guy's word. It, it's it's what we do. Like we trust each other. Marlowe, really, the entire series has has been very anti-trust, even with the people that are close to him. And I think to to him to to see that relationship between those two is foreign to him. And I think you know Marlowe's going to drop anybody that he thinks is wrong to him like that. And I think that's kind of it, it shows a little bit of the difference that you have between like the way Prop Joe and the Greek carry out their empires versus what Marlowe's trying to do. And I thought that that was the most interesting part to me. Well, and then on top of that, at the end, remember Marlowe is like, yo, tell them. I, I need to know who these people are. And it, it almost puts the thought in my head. I'm curious if there ends up being some sort of the Greeks people versus Marlowe's people because not to like take it to a kind of dark place. I'm going to take the Greeks people. I mean, they, they were like cutting dudes up and dropping them in like acid and like throwing their body all over the place. Like they were just hiding them in vacants. They're like, if, if the Greek, if Marlowe is like some sort of professional league, like Marlowe is minor league baseball and the Greek is MLB. That that is the difference to me between what they are doing right now. Like the Greek is on another level from what Marlowe's doing. Asking him to tail Mar asking him to tail the Greek just felt like like the Greek's been tailing Marlowe for years already. Like it's just they're seventeen steps ahead of Marlowe. It's just I, I think you kind of get the the Greek, I, I guess, all along has maybe been the the slickest, most covert of these of these drug operations, and certainly the way they've painted it in the last couple episodes, it, it's gonna play a role in season five. Whether it's you know they want to go for more territory, whether it's Marlowe gets cute, tries to go for some of their territory, there's there's gonna be some involvement with the Greek. And well, go ahead, go ahead, continue. I didn't really have anything else to say. Well, all I was gonna say was there are two things you and I have said have not been wrapped up. 
It's the Marlowe storyline and it's the Greek storyline. We said at the end of season two, this is very odd for them to leave this hanging and we thought it was going to come back in season three, never came back. It has to be a storyline in season five. They reintroduce him out of nowhere in season four. So that, to me, that has to be a, the storyline. And I'm just going to throw the, the super far out guess now. The last two, three episodes of season five are going to be Marlo's crew is either arrested or dead. The Greeks crew is either arrested or dead. And like most of the people we know and like on the street side, maybe not like, but know on the street <laughs> side are going to either be locked up or dead. Um, do, do, here's my season five. Like I've been, you know, kind of thinking where we go from here. Is there a way the drug guys win? Like is maybe they kind of end it on this is just the way life is. There's always going to be the cops. There's always going to... I'm not saying, like, they kill all the cops, but, you know, whether it's Marlowe, whether it's the Greek, it's just kind of, you do your thing and we'll, we'll play the game, we'll try to catch you, but ultimately there's always going to be the hustlers. There's always going to be the corners, and, and we just got to limit it as much as we can if we're the police. So let me, let me actually... I think you kind of said my thought there, but I'll say it anyway. I think there's a chance we end the show where... All the people we know are arrested, but there are still people on the corners where basically what you just said, like no matter how much good work they do arresting all these people, there's still going to be people who are out on the corners selling because there's still going to be a market for their product. I mean, yeah, it's not, it's naive to think that drug would go away. I guess maybe that's, it's not really a a bold take by me. No, but like... uh, I can see that where your final montage is showing this never stops. This will always be as long as there is a Baltimore. And I think that would be a powerful image where you just see some random dude on a corner who we have no idea who it is. I've never been introduced to them before. And it's like, we just know in the back of our head, oh, that's, that is Baltimore. Like that, that is the drug trade. There's nothing to know. But I'm also overwhelmingly positive in the direction we're going now that Daniels is a little bit higher up and has a lot more power than he's had before. Now that Carchetti's in power, even though there's a lot going on there with, you know, like the school budget and stuff like that. I think the city on the show, at least seems to be trending in the right direction. I'm glad you brought that up because they, they hit it a lot with the school budget. You know, him trying to meet with the governor, he, he, meets with he meets with everybody pretty much and it just seems like that that storyline doesn't really play out anymore to me i think i don't see them focusing as much on the school so that not being as much of a central plot line in the fifth season well i don't know because prez is still in the schools there there are still people we know as characters and have spent a lot of time with that are still in the school system so i wouldn't be surprised if we still focused on that a little bit and the day-to-day operations of the schools but to you said something else there that I'm now not remembering. But but bouncing off yours, I I think even there's that scene with Prez and the administrator. I can't remember her name, but she even says you're getting too attached to Daquan. Like there's always gonna be more Daquans that are coming up that need your help. And to me, that kind of tied a bow on it. To me, that's you don't need to see that. I think that's just you know there's always gonna kind of what we're saying with the drug trade. There's always gonna be kids in school that that want out and no one hears them. Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting to think about there. I, I really wish I could remember the other point I was going to make about 
about something you had brought up there. The governor, just, the governor, maybe something with that. The governor. Thank you. All I could think about every time they kept going back to the governor's mansion was there's going to be some big reveal about some like major actor who plays the governor. And I think that's my 2021 brain talking because every single show now, whenever like it's like, oh, we got to go see this character. If you don't know who the character is or like you've heard like I've heard this guy's in this show, but like, where is he? It's always some big grand reveal out of nowhere. And so that's all I was thinking was there going to be some grand reveal for the governor and then we just never got it. Hey, maybe season five. You you got a guy? Did you have a name floating around you thought it would be? No, not really, because funny enough, uh, Rawls is that character in The Boys, where like he he's random like oh, I had okay. seen his face before, and then he's randomly revealed as like one of the characters, like kind of like one of the bigger, more important characters in the show. And I just remember when it happened, I was like, Oh, that's interesting. I, so they talk a lot about the governor's race and like two years from now do you know if the show was like canceled or if they always planned on it being five seasons because I feel like there's a lot to get to in season five that maybe we didn't actually tie off all these ends like two years down the road I'm doing the math in my head there's only one season left maybe there's some loose ends here I don't actually know the answer there could be loose ends my understanding was no my understanding was this was a show that like it wasn't canceled it was e it was like how do i describe it it was a direct like we're only doing one more season because i'm looking at a poster now it even says the final season so it, it to enough. me if you can market it as the final season and it was only 10 episodes it was probably always planned to be the final season and you know whoever the showrunner was was just like all right i, I don't think we need to do anything past this uh this season yeah i mean all right we haven't on the cops much um i know i think it's a lot of setup these past few episodes you know they they get the big breakthrough in terms of they find the nails they see that they're hiding the bodies in the vacants they you know start to pile them up shout out to wow his name freeman Shout out to Lester Freeman, only cop on the force smart enough to figure that one out. And I loved the reveal there with Bunk, where he just, he looks at the nails on the one, he walks over to another, he looks at another, walks back to the one where the new nails are, and he goes, this is a, this is a, a burial site. Your body's in there. And that's it. He just knows immediately. He's like, there's bodies in there. Genius. It just feels like Freeman, Freeman is designed for this, and... You see, you know, he's causing headache for homicide. He's, it, it's obviously a huge case, and they they have Snoop and Chris in there. They 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 get the test, and they just they can't pin that final thing on them. And you know, they get the gun in the car, and it's just like Snoop and Chris slide by again, and and it, and it just to, to both of us, it's kind of felt inevitable that they were going to meet their demise at some point, but. I didn't see them going to jail. I I feel like the ending for them is death. I feel like it has to be. Yeah, I'd, I'd be shocked if the way they go is that they're arrested. And it would have been a shock then, too. That's why I was like, oh, wow, they found the bodies. That's, like, crazy. But I think the reveal I really like in terms of when they find the bodies is... I, we've seen them dropping a lot of bodies and putting a lot of bodies into those vacants. I don't think even we, the audience, knew the scope of the number of people they killed and put into vacants. Because they say at one point, like, this spans all the way over into East Baltimore. 
And that's insane. Cause that means they dropped so many bodies and it, it ends up being like 20, 22 or 23 or something. It's in the twenties. And just that, that shot, that wide shot they do in the gym where you see all the bodies, it, it is, it is a chilling, chilling little picture there. And that doesn't even count the bodies that they dropped in public for people to see. Yeah, you see, I mean, the coldness of Chris when he's in there talking to Michael, you know, got to look at the man when you kill him. And it's just, it's, it's what they do. They're, they're hired muscle. They, they are Marlowe's muscle and they're, they're they're going to run out at some point, right? Like, we have to think, whether it's Omar. I feel like we talk about this every episode. It's like, oh, how are they going to get Chris and Snoop? Do we think it's Omar? Do we think it's the cops? Where, where are we at with that? Wow. it It's still... I don't know. It still feels like it's Omar to me because I just... Again, I don't, I don't see the cops bringing them in. So, to me, it probably is Omar. I would say don't sleep on it being the Greeks people. I... I you know what? I think that's a better guess. I'm going to I'm gonna say I think it's the Greeks people. I think the Greeks people are the one who do it because I think Marlowe's going to overstep. And I, I think the Greeks going to send a message. Like, you think your people are hard? We'll see about that. All right, if we're in the business of predictions, uh, I, I think, to me, there, there weren't as many deaths as I thought it would be towards the end of the season. So that gives us plenty of people. So let's do some rapid fire, David. Give me some season five fates for these people, what we think is going to happen. I'm going to start with our boy Bubbles, who uh, wanted, to, wanted to be arrested and no longer was. I believe you killed him off in season one, then brought him back the episode later. So you've been all over the place on Bubbles. Yeah, I think I've been declaring him dead for several seasons. I, yeah, I mean, at this point, it feels like he's going to make it. I, I just, I'd be surprised. They've had so many opportunities to kill him off, including like, like, we didn't talk about this at all, but after he turns himself into the police, his attempted suicide, like, that shot of him in the interrogation room i was like he's dead like that they they finally killed bubbles and then they resuscitate him and like they're not they're never gonna kill this guy this guy is gonna make it he's supposed to be some sort of beacon of hope of even when everything is the worst it can possibly be you can still find a way out and uh, I think they're going to find a way out for him. But he, do you think so? Because he has... I, I do. He hasn't found a way out of anything yet, really. Like, what has he found a way out of? He's still pretty much the same guy he was in season one. But I think that that meeting there with the AA guy at the end, I, I think that felt like a real turning point for him. Where every other time he tried to get clean, it was, it was kind of like a fake, like, ah, I want to get clean. I, I'd like to get clean. That one, it, it felt like he hit rock bottom and he actually wants to get clean now. I'd buy that with Rock Bottom. I can see that with, with how he handled the, the death of, of his boy there. Um, all right, Michael. Michael's our next one. Michael's fate. Michael is either arrested or killed. I'm, I'm not sure which. Or, or So I'll give you three options. Either arrested, killed, or he's the guy who's still running the corners once everyone gets arrested at the end of season five. I like that. Play play all the cards there. That was safe. I like that. Thank you. I'm going to go you. with dead. I, I I don't think he makes it. I, I think, I don't know if it's going to be Chris that kills him, but I, I, I think he is maybe a guy that missteps a little bit here. And whether it's, you know, Marlo's people that kill him for messing up or the Greeks people that kill him because he's in a bad situation because he messed up, you know, whatever it may be. That, that's kind of what I see with Michael, which again, kid with a lot of promise and, and here he is kind of down that path again. 
Do you think Michael is kind of like the uh, the guy from season two? Not Frank, but his nephew. Uh, Nikki? Do you think Michael ends up like a Nikki type situation where like the Greek wants to kill him for a similar reason? Like just knows too much? I would almost compare Michael more to like D'Angelo. I think I think D'Angelo was... But but now that I say that, I don't see the like wanting to get outside of Michael. I I I feel like he's harder than D'Angelo. So maybe that's not a good. Maybe maybe Nikki is a better comparison. Yeah, he's in deep. Um. All right, Marlo himself. Does Marlo make it to the end of season five? I think Marlo goes to jail. Marlo I, I in think prison. All right. If we've seen anything about Lester at this point, is if he wants to build a case on you, he's gonna build a case on you. And I, I think I think Lester's the best cop we've seen in the show. So I think he. Lester versus Marlo is the best the best war of the show so far, and he's going to get him. Yeah, it feels like Marlo's either going to get killed or be arrested. Like, you don't see him walking free at the end. Uh, Chris and Snoop, I think we kind of teased it. You dead on them. I'm dead on them, I think. Yeah. Yep. Um, who else we got? Let's see. What do we think about any cops? Like, if is there a cop that's going to get killed slash who do we think it is? Because I'm can't. i not going to pinpoint one that, like, this guy's definitely out. No, I don't think so. I I think I think they had their opportunity in season one, and they decided not to kill Kima. So I I think I don't think so. I we know the threat is real enough because we can all remember how that episode made you feel. So I think I don't think we need it. How about a uh, Muscle Man for the Greek? Does he make it? Muscle Man for the Greek. Interesting. Y- yes, yes. It, it feels like he would. It feels like he'd kill. He he would take himself out before he let someone else take him out so i yeah i'm gonna say he makes it but like jail or i don't know i could see him being in like europe by the end of the season some flight to mysterious land whatever just just hop on a plane and get out of there yeah like yeah exactly all right i got one more for you um it's our it's our our sweet prince omar little what do we see omar's fate season five i know we've had takes on takes on takes but your end of season four prediction for Omar Little. I had a feeling this was coming, and Tom, I must say, I know the fate of Omar Little, and I must abstain from this one because I was listening to a podcast that memorialized Michael K. Williams, and they very nonchalantly mentioned what his overall fate is. Like, in it, they said it in two sentences, and I was like, "Oh well, thanks for spoiling that," and turned off the podcast. So I will abstain from voting. So you're not going to enjoy season five as much as you might, is what you're telling me. Correct, yes. yeah, Because that was the thing I was so looking forward to. I had a guess on this, and I, again, I will not even say what my original guess was, but it it is now... I, I, it's more I'm waiting waiting for whatever his fate is and where he ends up as opposed to me actually getting to enjoy and see how his, his story plays out. I, I know how it ends. I won't get too much into it then, because obviously you don't want to talk too much about it. But I'd probably lean. I'd probably lean. He's dead at the end. That would be my prediction. I don't know how it happens, but I don't. I don't see him making it. I think he's kind of one of the one of the biggest, probably the biggest non-cop player. And I, I, I don't see a path for him. I think he. I think he's done too much and, and wronged too many people to to make it out alive. Now, my just a follow-up question without, again, I don't want to give my thoughts or anything, but do you think the money that he now has plays into it in any way? Like, does that, is there a path, because you think he's dead, is there a path where he lives because of the money? 
Like he gets out, like he just quits. Yeah, like like he leaves like the game because he has the money now. He can leave the game. Like, it, do you see that, or do you think he is so like? I think so. I think he always has the hunger. I think he he always has the hunger to to stay in. And I, you know, we see uh, we see the girl that was with him walk away. She's like, if someone come for me, tell him I'm retired. And Omar just isn't wired that way to me. Not didn't mean to do that, but Omar just isn't built like that for me. And. To his life is the game, and I, I find it hard to see him him walk away with with all that I know about him. Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't think it's a bad prediction considering who Omar is. Uh, anybody we missed? I'm trying to think. I'm running through the characters. Like we hit the cops, we hit Omar. That I think we made the predictions that needed to be made. Yeah, I'm not I'm not thinking of any characters that are. I guess the one one other prediction I want to hear from you. It's a couple of things. One, who is the police commissioner by the end of season five? I'm going to go with Daniels. I, I would agree with you. And is Carcetti the mayor by the end of season five? Uh, yes, because I feel like the governor storyline doesn't get completed in season five if he guns for that. I feel like he's still the mayor. Hear me out. Oh, wait, so you think he's still the mayor? I asked if he was going to be the governor. Oh, no, you asked if he was going to be the mayor. I think he's going to be the mayor. Whatever you asked, I don't remember. I think he's still going to be the mayor. That I actually completely agree with you. I think he will still be the mayor because it feels like he has like he'll no matter what have unfinished business in Baltimore, and that he cares more about that city than yeah, he does. Like, helping does he the rest really want to be the governor? I I don't know. Truthfully, he he seems like very coy with it, right? Where every time someone brings it out, they're like, "Oh, well, you'll be running in two years." He's like, he he's made it a joke now, where he's like, "I won't." I mean, this is your seat in two years anyway, so it, it feels like they're setting it up for like he's not gonna go anywhere. Yeah, he's not a man to, to much like Omar, in my opinion, to, to give up on something before he thinks the project is done. So, La- Last person I need a prediction on. Do we ever see Avon Barksdale again? That's a good one. Ugh. I'm going to go with no as much as it pains to see me because he's got no one left. And I feel like if he comes out, there's just going to be like the, 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 there's no lifeline there for him. So. The only guy he has left is, what, they went to Joe and then, like, Cuddy was kind of his boy, but he's out of it now, so he got nobody. Maybe Pooh? Like, that's it. Hear me out. Hear me out. I, I am revising a take from earlier. Michael, I think, may end up in jail. I don't know if he ends up dead. I, I don't I don't feel like Michael ends up dead. So I'm going to give my official prediction as Michael ends up in jail, some sort of juvenile thing. Avon is the person who ends up back on the street running things. Oh, so we're just right to back. show, just to show how cyclical the cycle is that we end up right back where we started season one. Avon is the major player once again. That is a cruel and not shocking take at all. I think that would not surprise me at all. That's I like where you're coming with that. All right, Tom. That brings us to the end of another edition of Talgo TV. Do you have any final thoughts here before we we get into? You know what the people need to know about watching season five. I I love the kids storyline. I think ultimately that was my that was my favorite storyline of any season has has been the way they portrayed that. Even though you know the program really wasn't a success in the end. And generally, you could say you know it it helped Naimond, and you see that there was the right intentions there. And so I really liked that storyline since episode one, and I thought it played out really well. Well, it's funny you and I didn't get a chance to talk about this at all but i'll just say it now i think that's why i like this season so much was because they made the main characters essentially this season children 
you get so invested in the lives of these children. And I, I think that's like a general human in instinct to like you know you see 12 13 14 year olds and you see their future ahead of them and to like see some of these kids futures become their present very quickly in a negative way i think that's that's heartbreaking in a way and you you hope for better for the kids but i mean on this show it seems like everyone is is doomed to a life of misery well i think it's relatable to everyone to a certain extent you know not everyone grows up in the projects grows up in in those kind of underprivileged schools but you know you think about the mistakes you made as a child and and you think about how much you didn't know and and you sit there as as an adult you know oh what are these kids like it's tough to watch them kind of be forgotten and and make tough choices sometimes now real quick this is the actual last thing before we go rank your seasons right now oh um four one three two i think i would go four three one two but it's really just a swap in the middle i don't think two is bad i think they're all good seasons i just think yeah three and one are real close yeah three and one it really i think comes down to uh, personal preference in terms of storylines and and the characters. If I I just think Stringer dying in season three is so consequ- consequential. I can't think of a moment like that in season one that makes me feel that way. Like Wallace dying, yeah, but there's something about the wrapping of the Stringer storyline and all that stuff that goes on that is really great to me. All right, Tom, that brings us officially to the end of another edition of Talgo TV. Now, before the people go, they need to know that we are starting season five this week. So the way it's going to go, because season five is 10 episodes. So our plan is to watch four, four, and then two. So one through four, five through eight, and then nine and 10. That way, our final episode is just those two episodes, and we can have a very long, overarching discussion about, you know, the show itself, where the show places for us in terms of other shows that we've seen, et cetera, et cetera, the future of Talgo TV, you know, all that fun stuff. Uh, so that is how we'll be watching season five. And of course, as always, if you've made it this far, you know what you need to do. You need to go onto iTunes, give us a five-star rating, tell us what you like, what you don't like. And again, we are taking suggestions for what show we are going to watch next on Talgo TV. I think Tom and I both have an idea of what that show is going to be, but we are still open to suggestions for the next and future seasons of Talgo TV. Also, make sure to follow us on iTunes and Spotify or wherever it is you get your podcasts and follow us on Twitter. All of that will be linked in the show notes of this episode, but... And that, that's it. For Tom Shively, I'm David Royal. Catch you back here next week for another edition of Talgo TV.